In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbV, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take your climb with our heart pumping playlist. Join us June 13, coast to coast, as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb Stepping on the beach, the only place to read your emails and tweets. It's Wednesday, May 27th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Hey. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey hey The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. <sighs> and last but not least, making this magic happen, it's J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are back on the beach. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions over the last week or so. Keep them coming, guys. Email us, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc, or use that hashtag nodunks. And Tass, before we get to our first question, I just wanted to clarify something that I said on yesterday's podcast. I made a reference to playing foot hockey when I was back in elementary school, and I confused a lot of people out there, including (laughs) Canadians, who were like, what the hell is foot hockey? You know, I've heard of road hockey or floor hockey. What is foot hockey? Well, foot hockey to us was i guess soccer <laughs> but but there was a, a big di- yeah there was a big difference you're playing with a tennis ball Whoa. that's right you're not playing with a hockey stick though you're using your foot so yeah it is like soccer but the goalies were allowed to use like winter coats as their sort of <laughs> uh, yeah. you know as their sort of um you know glove slash uh blocker right <laughs> So that's to me the real difference. It's I like the know. pads, right? You're it's yeah. like you're holding your goalie pads yes. instead of wearing. What yes. the heck does that mean? They're holding jackets? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tass, like, like I've take, never, take a never winter coat off such a thing. and just get to hold it up in front of you exactly like JD said. It's almost like their pads, almost like their glove, their blocker. Yeah, you just had you made yourself a little bit bit bigger in your net. Yeah. That's foot hockey. Got it. Wow. I'll admit I was confused. You know, we were talking kickball at the time. You slipped in foot hockey. I was thinking, these crazy Canadians must be playing hockey with their feet instead of sticks. But then I started thinking, okay, it's just got to be standard, you know, floor hockey. You're running around using your feet. I would have never guessed in a million years you're just kicking a tennis ball around. Yeah, but look, look, look. The difference between that and soccer is... Uh, you know, we were body checking each other up against like the the baseball cage where we were playing and stuff like that. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to, you know, hit each other in soccer. So it was physical out there in the mean streets of Stratford, Hamlet, <laughs> Hamlet Public School, out in the back, uh, knocking each other down. Yeah, foot hockey. Yeah. 
It is, it is crazy how I, I, I automatically knew what you were talking about. Even <laughs> okay. though the name doesn't really make sense, but I also played a ton of that. Also got on all fours and played, I don't know, hockey with a tennis ball, but I was, we're, we're hitting it with our hands. What, mm. like, what is that oh, called? Wow, what, hand hockey. I don't know. I'm still confused, though. I'm still confused. Are you a matador with your with your jacket, or are you like scrunched it up in your hands? I'm still confused. How no, you're no, no, no. The you're making it. You're making it. Yeah, as big as possible, yeah. right? Like, you, it's you're not. No, you're not holding it in your hand all scrunched up. You're you're holding it out like a, a sh- yeah, like you'd be holding a a towel or something. That's um, weird. To, to block shots. I mean, the net wasn't... You're not playing in a soccer net either. You're, we were, like, making little makeshift hockey nets, hence foot hockey. Um, so, yeah, I guess... I, I was I, I, Look, I thought everybody pl- in Canada especially was playing foot hockey, but like I said, a bunch of uh, Canadians were like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm in Winnipeg. I've never heard of foot hockey. <laughs> but there you go. There you go. Explain it now. All right, let's get to our first one here. Another great batch. You guys coming through. Months and months of quarantine continuous good emails first one hey donunks i was thinking about the nba resuming play in one location and got to wondering what will the floor look like there's no home team so what logo will be in the center will it be a mickey mouse head how would you like to see it designed points awarded for creativity thanks for keeping the pod coming during this time and congrats on the webby that's from dave in melbourne australia now there will be home teams technically yeah, I guess. But how do you answer this, Skeets? What do you think? I mean, it's a great question. It's something I honestly hadn't even thought of. Um, my guess is it's going to be pretty generic. Um, you know, NBA logo, uh, 2020 NBA playoffs, decal, you know, maybe something Disney related, but I doubt that because we're going to likely have, you know, games on TNT and stuff like that, not just on ESPN. But I will say I'd like to see the NBA actually use it um for some good for some awareness maybe even you know like a message or logo mm. thanking frontline healthcare workers or a, a helpline phone number for people honestly right now let's paint hashtag justice for george floyd right there at center court sure. uh to protest a police murder of another innocent black man like let's use this for some good not just a dumb nba playoffs logo let's do something crazy and let's get some awareness going because it's got to stop it's insane um, but again, a great question from Dave. What will they put there? You know, yesterday, guys, we on the Up Down Report podcast, we we had a heated debate. Let's call it that of the pros and cons of eliminating conferences and just seeding the teams one to sixteen uh, when we were to pick up the playoffs here later on. I wanted to get your take on another proposal, though, um, that we saw going around over the last basically twenty four hours, and that is this idea to replace the first round of the playoffs with a World Cup like group stage. Um, and, you know, we get 20 teams, let's say. We saw Kevin O'Connor writing about it at the Ringer. And we group them into, you know, let's say five teams, four groups. And they play these sort of round-robin type things to then ultimately make it into the uh, final eight. Um, what do you think of this, Lily? Let's start with you. You had some strong opinions about just getting rid of conferences and going 1-16. to 16. What about this World Cup idea group stage? Are you a fan or is that too radical? No, no, I'm, I'm a fan of anything, really, to try something out. I just wouldn't do groups of five teams, though. I mean, you only need to look at soccer for the Champions League or the World Cup, and they do groups of four, and then you would still keep 16 teams. By expanding it out to 20, you obviously get more teams in there, but I think under these circumstances, we don't need more teams. We need less teams and less games. So I would just do four groups of four 
with the top two advancing and then the top two advancing again. I think uh, I think that's the way to do it. It's just exactly how many games you want to play mm-hmm. within that system. Do you play? Does each team play each other twice, or do they play each other more than that to determine who wins that group? And then how do you determine? actually who finishes on top in a tied scenario with wins and losses and things like that so there's something there to be uh to be talked about for sure but again i i would look at a system that works already by what by what soccer does and use that rather than expand it out to groups of five teams uh myself because i don't really know where that has has been used and has worked before so you know you've got a model you can base it on and then you just have to figure out exactly how the teams advance uh, again depending on their win-loss records and depending on how many times they play each other yeah i agree with lee um i prefer 16 teams to 20 you know there would be fewer people involved which means fewer exposures to the coronavirus which is huge you're also getting fewer games which keeps uh, the first quote-unquote round which is what they would call the group stage you know that keeps uh keeps it a little tighter but i do like the idea that if they go to 20 teams the spurs would be there and since they're going to brand this as the playoffs the spurs playoff streak would stay alive just out of the group stage idea i think that's pretty funny but i like the idea of so much variety for the first round you know uh most of the years that we watch a standard playoffs We get one great first round series, maybe two decent ones, and a whole bunch of blowouts where you're hoping that this is over in three games rather than six games, something like that. And this, to me, uh, you're going to see the best teams play uh, against three different or four different uh, opponents, and I just think that that's a little bit more entertaining than watching, you know, the Cavs blow out the Pacers in five games, even though they lost the first one and then win the next four. I just think there's a little bit more... um, a little bit more excitement to be had if you're mixing things up a little more. Yeah, unquestionably. The, the, this is a problem that's been going on for years with the NBA. The first round just is a bit meh. Everybody knows it, uh, and nobody necessarily wants to tune in to see a 1-8 or 2-7 that never, very rarely, generates an upset. The last time it happened was when Derrick Rose blew out his ACL, right? And that was, that was a long time ago. Uh, so... I love the the idea uh, of there's more chance of an upset. That's for sure. But in this scenario, the 20 team sounds a little sounds a little crazy uh, because they're they're trying to allow the teams at the bottom of the Western Conference picture in the uh, in the bubble. They're on the bubble: the Blazers, the Kings, the, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. A chance. Yeah. But do we need to push a 29 and 37 Blazers team to get a shot in there? And you're kind of saying, hey, Blazers, you're the team number 18. Uh, team number 17, you're basically as equal as the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, like you're, you're sort of devaluing the regular season. Like what, what, did, what did the Bucks play for? Maybe you allow the top four seeds. It would be the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Clippers, a buy into the second round. And then whether it's eight or 12 teams fighting for that opportunity to, to play them in the second round, that's just an option, but maybe you just go 16 teams because uh, getting more teams on site, that's just adding at least you know, two, 250, 300 people there. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but this has to be a, the opportunity to give something like this a whirl. Adam Silver has got to be licking his chops here to be looking at a soccer opportunity here <laughs> in the NBA. He's always wanted to make it happen. A neutral site really does... Uh, make it ideal and it is it does liken it to a, a world cup situation and so i don't know how many teams are are in this but it definitely it definitely does the job of trying to make the first round a lot more interesting 
Right. Yeah. I mean, we saw the NHL approved yesterday a 24-team conference-based tournament format. Um, and I think the details are still being ironed out. But it's essentially the top four seeds in each conference are going to get a bye to the standard 16-team playoff. And you're going to have a lot of these remaining squads then engaging in shorter play-in series. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be looking at what the NHL is doing, whether they care at all. No, it's more soccer-based. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little torn on this group stage idea. I, I keep I keep reading that it makes every game entertaining. I don't buy that at all. It, it doesn't necessarily do that. Um, we've seen groups before, be it in uh, Olympic play you know, or soccer, where things get decided somewhat early in the group stages and it's like well now we do have sort of meaningless games being played that just that just happens i just i'm just concerned we're getting a little too caught up in trying to avoid watching the uh, bucks play the magic um and if that's the case because it's like okay it's gonna be a a, a yawner well then just shorten it just because we're all like oh we don't want to watch that for a week and a half and we definitely don't want to come back with a magic versus buck series like who cares <laughs> well then just like make it best of three and be done with it in five days like don't i don't know i'm i'm getting a little concerned we're worrying too much about that but maybe hmm. i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong it's a great article i highly recommend you go read what koc wrote he's not wrong that the drafting of the groups would be must watch television. I mean, you could sell that alone, and you'd probably be getting some great ratings tuning in to see like, oh, who do the Lakers draw in their group, and is there a, a you know, a group of death and stuff like that, or are they picking their who they want in their groups? I mean, look, that would be entertaining. I can't deny that, but I just not. I'm not convinced that it completely gets rid of um, crappy games. Or but is there a system, somewhat meaningless is, games? Is there a system though that does get rid of you know crappy no, games? I mean, you have no. bad games, you have bad games. <laughs> sure, we only take goes. eight playoff teams instead of sixteen playoff. Teams. Well, okay, there you go, there you go. Right, <laughs> it seems backwards to me that we're worried about getting rid of these uh, lackluster matchups, mm. but we're adding more teams to the mix in a weird way. Isn't that the opposite? Like, what I agree with you, Trey. It's like, well, then just cut that in half. Like, let's just go to the best of the best. To me, um, the magic bullet theory for how to fix the NBA playoffs and the regular season all at once, it obviously isn't going to happen this season. But if you go from 16 to 8, those playoff spots mean so much more, yeah. which means every regular season game means so much more. We're not dealing with the boring first round of the playoffs. We're right into the good stuff. So, yeah. you know, but also you're losing half of your playoff revenue. So sure. probably sure. not a realistic scenario, but that solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, again, go check out this article uh, and let us know. Email us in, no dunks at theathletic.com. As far as what getting uh, home courts, so though, you could, I imagine you could tear down a court. Let's say it's in Los Angeles. Tear down a court, get a flatbed, get a monster wide truck. There's nobody on the roads right now and drive it down to Florida. I think there's a way. If Jeff Probst can set up a tribal <laughs> council in his garage, I think you can get the the 16 teams home courts down there. I think I I'm not 100% sure how that works tearing down a court and transporting it. Well, it's going to take people to like install them and stuff like that and switch them over and all that. Do we really need to do that? Is it that important? Maybe people you could just jobs. Switch, maybe you could yeah. just switch the ends of them, you know, like where it has like where the Brooklyn <laughs> one has that uh, under the rim. I mean, maybe that's a way of doing it. 
Yeah, yeah no. treat it like an impromptu party. You know, just uh, bring whatever you have. We'll make it work. <laughs> hey, Rockets, you're playing. Bring that old spaceship decal you used to have. We'll throw it on the floor for your games. Why not? Like you mm-hmm. said, Skeets, what's out there now is an ESPN Wide World of Sports logo, but they cover that for college games, you know, and yeah. TNT is obviously not going to want uh, the ESPN no. logo for the center court of every single game they show. So, yeah. Whatever you got, bring it. Bucks, you got some Cream City decals? Cream it up. We'll throw them down on the floor. <laughs> Cream it up in center court. <laughs> All right, next one. Hey, no dunkers. I started following the NBA during the 18-19 season, and being in L.A. and wanting to go against the green, I quickly got hooked watching Lou and Trez and Beverly play for the Clips. I rooted hard during their short playoff run against the Dubs. I still can't shut up about that 31-point comeback. Then, during the offseason... We, he writes, we get Kawhi and Paul George. This fan's already all in. All of a sudden, this team that I just recently declared my fandom for were championship favorites for the first time ever. Lucky for me, I got in just under the wire for liking the Clippers before it was cool. What's something you guys got into just before it was cool? Thanks for the laughs during all this insanity. That's from Robbie H. Hmm. I would say the Clips have been cool, though, for... Since the Blake Griffin days, really. Myself. Huh. Just, Until just, they got Chris Paul. Yeah, but even still, they were kind of cool there for a year or two, you know, while we were getting used to the new Clippers, you know? I mean... Mm, the, I don't know. Yeah. For me, the coolest moment of Lob City was when Blake and DeAndre found out Chris Paul was going to be coming there. They're so excited. They find out on the bus, and then Chris Paul gets there, and he just yells at everybody. <laughs> it's a bit of a bummer for me, but nonetheless, you're rightly. People like the Clippers mm. back then. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, Blake Griffin made them relevant anyway. Um, but what I would say, my answer to this is TED Talks. Uh, Although the credit really goes to my wife, Roxana, for this one, because uh, one of the first ones was about Al Gore, you know, um, an inconvenient truth type of uh, talk that he had there, which was great. Led to a couple of other ones, saw a great Jamie Oliver one. There's also one a little bit more recent. um, It's from one of the mothers of one of the shooters of the Columbine High School, um, which is a pretty... A pretty interesting talk to listen to her talk. She's uh, it's it's pretty emotional. Um, and then there's another couple of funny ones out there. There's one from this Chilean lady, Isabella Allende, who uh, talks about feminism and passion, and it's a hilarious speech. I recommend you go and check that one out. So, yeah, I haven't been watching them as much lately, but uh, definitely I was on them before they became mainstream, like they are these days. Wow, good for you. So how many do you think you've watched in total? Like, how many oh, are there? There's got to well, be. Well, there's hundreds now. Yeah. Um, it explains yeah. why you're so smart. Smart now. <laughs> getting all these tips from the ted talks the last one i watched was how to dry your hands properly apparently i'm watching only the dumb ones but you know my hands have never been drier come on man that was a good one you know my oh yeah t- 12 shakes how much paper towel that guy's saving <laughs> yeah I did, I did like that one too. interstitial drying okay i guess it was great we're all learning does anyone else have an answer composting everybody <laughs> wants to compost now skeets wants to compost now i've been doing it for a while is composting cool nah but still i was ahead of the curve question mark no nah, i wasn't really but um everybody wants to do it skeets have you got your uh, your bin going no i haven't yet i'm not mm. worrying about the backyard until next season i've decided and that's where the composting's going so uh putting it off for a good good 10 11 months i want to go podcasting tass isn't that the answer for us and jd i guess i guess that's i true. mean would you say we were we got into it just before it was cool like <laughs> no we 10 got into years it before it was cool maybe was, yeah now everybody's got a podcast yeah i'm going i'm going podcasting trey what's your answer House plants. I don't think you're hearing another dude talking about gardening inside of their home on NBA podcasts up until people started getting quarantined. But 
feel pretty good about the Garden Gang. Mm, hashtag Garden Gang. JD, you got an answer? I guess you don't no, like podcasting because we were way too soon to Yeah, that, right? I'm, I'm behind on everything. i just now starting to think about getting into longboarding. That's my <laughs> new thing. Yeah. No way. Yeah, man. Do it. I think I'm going to pull the trigger on that longboard. The, the, thing that, the thing about longboarding or anything like a new hobby like that, it's like, you know, 150 bucks. I'll do it three times and then it'll sit in my garage and yeah. my kids can use it, you know, but it's not like a, it's not like a, a, but going out and buying a golf membership and golf clubs and like thousands and thousands of dollars for a hobby that I'll never do. So I think, hmm. yeah. Like where would you thing. do it? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean on the street? Yeah. No, that's exactly what I mean. What's he just going to go out on his residential street? <laughs> yeah. You do that once or twice, but then you're not going to do that every day. Yeah. yeah. You're going to want a shortboard when you hit the parks, JD. <laughs> nah, I'm not a tricks guy. I just want to cruise. <laughs> just want to cruise. Yeah. Maybe you can get Trey to get you on for cheap because they were uh, invented in Lombard, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hook me up, man. <laughs> I'm surprised surprised the kids never got into well see the, the, this is why I want to do it because uh, I've been uh, Jackson is now getting into skateboarding and he's we're we're going around our neighborhood um, but I'm on a scooter like just because we don't have an extra right. skateboard so right. and I'm all sort of hunched over and I'm just looking at him <laughs> going damn he looks cool and just <laughs> just enjoying the, the freedom of that board and there's no brakes and it's just like the danger of it and I just want to be boarding next to him for you know one or th- maybe three times and then I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put it away so right. yeah has there been any like uh, bad falls yet Nothing serious, knock on okay. wood. But uh, there's been a few. But you know, he's all geared up. We we you know, helmet, elbows, knees, and wrists. Oh, all good. covered up. So good, we're good. We're so would you first. do the same if with the longboard? Uh, I would probably do hel- helmet for sure, and yeah. probably wrist guards because I don't want to break my wrist because I, I want to be able to do the show. Right. <laughs> so I could just see you cruising along in the cargo shorts, oh, JD. I know, right? not, yeah, you know, he would look really cool. <laughs> yeah, you would look, would awesome, look awesome for sure. <laughs> have oh, you given you. it a shot on the short board at I all? I have, I have, and I love yeah. it. I love anything with wheels and moving fast. Like so, I, I think, yeah, I'm into it. All right, yeah, okay, I'm in. You should do it. You should get it. Next one here. What's up, guys? Longtime fan from the TBJ days. I was jogging to work in the rain this morning, listening to you guys, and it put me in the perfect mood to ponder the legacy of my favorite player of all time, DeMar DeRozan. I have an unhealthy obsession with DeMar's Hall of Fame case. The dude scores consistently, is super durable, and has a crazy work ethic that I think will allow him to play deep into his 30s and put up an insane amount of shots. He already has 16,000 points, and I think he will finish with around 24K. Career totals aren't brought up a lot in basketball, but that would put him around 30th all time. I think that would force the voters' hand, and DeMar will eventually be enshrined. What do you guys think of DeMar's Hall of Fame case? That's from Charles in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Lee, do you want to drop a homer on that? (laughs) (laughs) Homer! Big time homer. But, but, an interesting case. The homer doesn't like it. I can hear it. Skeets doesn't like it. Uh, I just, okay, look, I'm just as guilty as Charles here at times, uh, especially because we get questions and we do address them on Beach Step In or other podcasts. But we got to stop doing this. Like, we're we're, getting, we've gone too far with, like, 
debating mm. Hall of Fame cases while the guy is still playing and still has, like, probably, like Charles says, like, DeRozan could play another, what, seven, eight years? Easily. Um, he's only 30. So, I don't know. I, I guess, guess he's like, a Hall of Famer. No, it's frustrating. I just, I, th- I just wish we would stop doing it because, like, we're now debating their Hall of Fame cases when they're not even, like, halfway through their playing career. It's sort of insane to me. But... You know, I, I I was curious. I want to do a little deep dive. You know, look at the numbers. Yeah, you did. And it's funny. I compared three guys came to mind when I wanted to compare DeRozan through his first eleven seasons to a couple guys in the Hall of Fame and then one guy not. So I compared DeRozan's numbers. You know, I fired this up on Basketball Reference. God bless Basketball Reference. DeRozan's first eleven seasons to Alex English, Hall of Famer, Mitch Richmond, a Hall of Famer though a questionable one, and Jerry Stackhouse. And yeah, I mean, through the first 11 years, they're all pretty damn similar. Like, they're, they're close. You know, they're obviously, a lot of these guys are known for basically scoring. And, you know, you look at their per 36 numbers, it's English as the number one of the of the four here. And then it's, then it's Mitch, but DeRozan right behind him and even Jerry Stackhouse there. I just thought that was an interesting comparison because some of those guys are Hall of Famers, having played out their careers. Um, and Jerry Stackhouse, of course not, but his numbers are very, very similar to DeRozan. So it's like, I don't think DeRozan's a Hall of Fame player right now, and I don't think he ultimately will be outside of going on some pretty crazy, uh, you know, sort of later in his career type runs or seasons where he's still going 23, 24, 25 points per game and then has playoff success and maybe wins the title. I just don't see it happening. So I guess I'm down on this. I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but... Go look it up. There, look, he, I see what Charles is saying. Like, you know, pure scoring-wise, if that's enough for you to go in the hall, then then maybe uh, Double D's on his way. Hmm. Double D. I yeah. wish Charles was making the homer case for Theo Fleury because you must be joking me if you think DeMar is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, the main thing that I take from this question is that we're going to have to update our parameters for the Hall of Fame because I think there are going to be more and more players who score 20,000 points because players are coming into the NBA younger. They're better when they're younger and coaches are more okay with turning over their offense to a 20 year old, right? Like that would have never happened in 1995. So you're not going to have those first four seasons of scoring 2000 points. So you're going to get a lot more guys that are putting up these numbers that you would think would be shoe ins to the hall of fame. It's going to look very strange, you know, 20 years from now. And buddy healed is one of the five greatest shooters of all time. He's going to come up a little bit later in the show, but that's just what it's going to be because the game has changed throughout the course of NBA history. Right now, if you look at basketball reference, we're all firing it up last night. If you look at their Hall of Fame probabilities, DeMar DeRozan is 30th, and I think that's about right. I mean, he's right there with Isaiah Thomas, current Isaiah Thomas, for um, his chances of getting into the Hall of Fame, and I think they both have the same no chance of getting in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I agree that he doesn't feel like a Hall of Famer, but he might just get there just through longevity and by getting to the stats, as as the writer writes there. I mean, he's already a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. I think it's quite plausible that DeRozan makes more All-Star games and even perhaps another All-NBA third team. How many more? How many more, Lee? Who knows? I mean, but but you look, he's never had a serious injury. He could be the Joe Johnson type of guy, you know? Like, he gets the respect after all these years. He's been a 20-point-per-game scorer for the last, what, eight years, seven years, something like that. He could easily score 20 a game. Again, it is a little bit easy to score these days, but 
the way that he gets his points, he goes to the free throw line a lot. I can see him averaging 20 for another five years in a row. You so know? you're saying so, Joe Johnson is a Hall of Famer? Well, he probably will get in. I mean, I, I haven't got his numbers here right now, but uh, just thinking about his career, again, I'm, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it. I'm just saying I think he might just force his way in based on based on a long, long career. Because, again, DeRozan, you said seven or eight years, Skeets, he's only 30. He could easily be still playing until he's until he's 40, you know? Well, right, right. But that's, where, himself, I think, so. that's where I think we might have to start changing those parameters. Like, I, it's not going to be all that impressive, really, for a guy to play 16, 17 seasons. You know what I mean? Like, it won't. Yeah, like, no, I, it won't I, be. I agree that that he doesn't. He's the sort of guy, um, you know, like Lamarcus Aldridge. He goes out and gets his points, and he's had a good, you know, good steady career. But he doesn't sure. seem one of those franchise-altering players that tends to be what a, a Hall of Famer should be. Yeah. But that's just based on sort of opinion of it, rather than you know guys who actually get into the Hall. So, um, you know, it, it's 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 a, it's going to be an interesting case. But if he does, let's say. He, he moves to another team or he stays in San Antonio and they pick up a couple of championships, then I think he's an absolute lock to get in if he has those on his resume as well. So He would need um, those. I do agree with that. He needs yeah. to have like a... He just needs a ring or two, and then and yeah. then maybe I don't even think he's a lock. Then I think it's a. a it, it, I mean, but. I think I think that kind of depends on the role he plays. If if yeah. he gets it in the next year or two, he's likely to be one of the top two or three players on the team. But if he gets it in five or six years, then he's probably not one of the key players on his team. But again, just because you think about how he scores, he's 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 a very reliable scorer who gets to the free throw line a lot. So I can see him just filling up his uh, basically stuffing his scoring stats for the next eight to ten years and then if your guy's got 24 25,000 points it's going to be hard to keep him out of the hall of fame skeets i was going to ask you I mean, a very lively debate do you regret your comment about not liking these hall of fame debates because this is a great hall of fame debate i think it's okay to have guys that are gonna be on the precipice people will have to ponder demar Derozan because of guys like mitch richmond uh, yeah. getting in and Mitch no. Richmond actually even even less playoff success really he got a title at the end with the Lakers that doesn't yeah. count yeah. Uh, but DeMar DeRozan at least went to a conference finals Mitch Richmond did not but maybe you have to change the primers that's going to be a hell of a line to draw at some point and just set, to just say um, we're going in a very new direction uh, because he's going to surpass Mitch Richmond for points I don't think there's any doubt about that and, and, and the emailer wrote Career totals don't, don't get looked at. Historically, the 20,000-point mark was a barometer to some degree for guys who get in. There's mm-hmm. 46 guys who have scored 20,000 points. Or actually, there's 48, and 46 are into the Hall of Fame that are eligible. Only two aren't in the Hall of Fame. Can you name you them? Antoine that Antoine Jameson. Tom, Tom Chambers is one. Those, those two, Antoine Jameson and Tom Chambers who have become eligible and scored 20, only ones who aren't in. Uh, Joe Johnson might not make it. He's past 20K. Uh, DeMar DeRozan will pass it for sure. Uh, and I'm okay with this this debate. It's really interesting. He's 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 in that ilk of, uh, of Richmond and um, seven straight years, 20 points, only four All-Stars, and that's it. You know, uh, It's going to be hard to keep him out, I think, because he's going to score. He's gonna he's gonna destroy the twenty thousand point plateau. He's gonna go. He's gonna destroy. Well, no, this is my point though. This is my point with the debate. Um, he we don't know that. <laughs> we don't. I mean, he could blow out his Achilles and never play another game. Like I'm just saying, we're 
he's not even close to being done. As Lee just said, he could play another decade. It's like, uh, we don't know what happens within that decade. I just think we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves with these. And I will say, when it comes but to we're Hall at of his Fame... Peak. We're at his peak, I think. I think we're at his peak, and we know he's not getting any Okay, better. well, then the his peak is not good enough. And, and that's exactly right. I am much more on team... Uh, a guy that maybe doesn't have as long as career or as cumulative numbers, but was uh, he he uh, he burned brighter for a smaller window, and was important or however I know like what does that mean? But like was was a better player. Like let's say Chris Webber. I think Chris Webber is so much more a Hall of Fame player than Demar Derozan, and maybe Derozan at the end of the day is going to have the better counting stats because he played 17, 18, 19, whatever he ends up playing. But I don't, I don't care about that as much as what I'm getting at. I understood why it made sense maybe a decade or two ago, but I think it has to mean a little bit less and less now, in my opinion. Yeah, so there's 46 guys, I should say, that have passed 20. 44 have gotten in, and, and Chambers and Jameson are still out there. LaMarcus Aldridge, I think you mentioned him, Lee, mm-hmm. definitely will pass the 20,000-point plateau. He'll be another one of those guys that are was the man for a while. But, yeah, Chris Webber's, uh, it's a, it's, that's a good Good name to bring up yeah, to your head. I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, there's no way I would put DeRozan in Chris Webber's category as far as a pure basketball player at all. I agree with that right. 100%. But, but again, it, it, sometimes it's just about accumulating stats and longevity to get through. And that, that probably will just be the strongest case for DeRozan. You know, because we know already at this stage of his career, he's never going to be a number one guy on a team. You know, he's not a build around. He's a complimentary piece right now, but he's a very reliable one. So... You know, I mean, but but the whole Hall of Fame itself does need an overhaul for that reason, I think, yeah. because you've got, you know, you've got uh, college um, college awards and accolades and things like that, international awards and, and things like that as well. So um, that's where I just think they need to figure out a way to separate it a little bit more and have an NBA Hall of Fame. How about this? This is an idea I just came up with. They build <laughs> like a new Hall of Fame and it's, it's shaped like a famous building, a pyramid of sorts. And they yeah. put the highest of holiest of holiest players in the top of the pyramid. I don't know. I'm just something I'm workshopping. I don't know if it would ever work. Yeah, If you you start writing a book about that, I'm interested. (laughs) Yeah, let me jam it out real quick. All right. Uh, So DeRosa, let's hear from you guys. Um, Is he on his his way to becoming a Hall of Famer? Or or no way, let's hear from you. And 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 Tass, I'm curious if you think Theo Fleury should be in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) We're talking Uh, 860 career points, man. Yeah, burned bright. What... what, uh, (laughs) What uh, Skeets talked about with Chris Webber, that light was burning. Not only <laughs> not just because he was a Calgary Flame, but uh, it was burning. Uh, but it fizzled. I I don't think so. I don't think so. Trey, eight hundred six points. Is he at the top of the uh, hockey reference eligibility list? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have it saved to my favorites like I do basketball reference. <laughs> He's in my thing. Hall of Fame. That's that's a hundred percent. I think I think I have binders and binders of Calgary Flames cards. I think Theo Fleury, they're alphabetically ordered. I think Theo Fleury is thrown in at the front because he is my Hall of Famer. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, just a quick trivia question because I brought up Alex English, Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star. How many career three-pointers do you think Alex English made? <laughs> eight. Six. Yeah. <laughs> A little higher. 18. 18 for 83 yeah. from three-point land. A different time back oh, there yeah. in, the, in the early 80s when he was uh, flourishing. All right. Next one. Good morning. Sweet no dunkers. Watching the last dance was incredibly eye-opening for a number of reasons. Thanks for the insightful and entertaining recaps, by the way. 
Something that stuck out to me was the fog that surrounds certain games, interviews, and sequences of events in our collective consciousness. Consider the popular notion among casual fans that Michael Jordan transitioned seamlessly back into the league in 95 and dominated immediately, when in reality his transformed body wore out quicker than usual and the Bulls were bounced by the magic. Consider the myth that Kukoc crumbled under the pressure when Michael and Scotty went at him in Barcelona in 92. In reality, Kukoc was a likely starstruck young man who realized too late that the GOAT and his sidekick, also a top 10 player in the world, wanted to whoop his ass for a perceived slight committed by their GM. Hell, Kukoc even had a decent showing in their second matchup in the gold medal game. This isn't to say that the larger narrative is much impacted by these small anecdotes, but rather that when these details are lost to the fog of nostalgia and time, the story loses some nuance. Okay, here's the question, finally. What recent, or not so recent, NBA memory has been clouded by time or nostalgia or bias? Is there a game, a series, or something else that you believe is remembered inaccurately Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Jordan in Portland. That was a great email. Uh, what do you think, Tass? Now, this memory may not even be on anybody's mind because they may not care. But uh, the 09 NBA Finals, the Lakers won 4-1 over the Orlando Magic. But I thought it was a lot closer mm-hmm. than what happened. The Orlando Magic, Dwight at the peak of his powers, Hito Turgaloo running their point because Jameer was sort of just getting back from injury. J.J. Redick, Richard Lewis, and the fifth man on that starting lineup, Courtney Lee, who factors mm-hmm. in big. Lakers win game one. That was a route. Game two in L.A., Courtney Lee got a beautiful lob with there's zero seconds on the clock. Kobe was just blocked by Hito Turgaloo at the end. Inbound, Hito Turgaloo lobs it to Courtney Lee, who's sort of under the rim, it was a kind of a tough lob to catch, but he could have just laid it in. He missed. They go to overtime, and they lose. So that that was the game winner right there. They could have won. They could have gone up 1-1. Everybody sort of remembers that, or they could have tied it 1-1, I should say. Yeah. Everybody kind of remembers that when you think about that. So just Courtney Lee, the mask on that he had, he misses that shot. So they lose that one. But then they go to Orlando. Orlando wins game three, and they could have tied it up in game four. This one... People forget Game 4 because it's not as heartbreaking as Courtney Lee, but it must have been as heartbreaking to the Orlando Magic because they're up three with 11 seconds left and Dwight Howard going to the line to seal it. Just needs to hit one. He goes clank, clank, and then Derek Fisher, of all people, ties the game to send it to overtime. (laughs) Lakers win, and they go up 3-1. So easily could have been 3-1 Magic going to to LA or at, at the very least 2-2 if Courtney Lee you know you factor in Courtney Lee's uh, miss call it a miss he also missed a possession before that which was a, just a bad possession by the Orlando Magic but uh, it seems like a route in 4-1 but uh, it was a it was a much much closer series and that was sort of the demise start of the demise of the uh, the Magic enterprise right there mm. Couple of huge plays by Hito right there. That block on Kobe is pretty incredible for a guy that's not known as a defender. And then the pass, you know, it's just a little bit low, but, you know, he still throws it about 40 feet. And it's a tough layup for Courtney Lee to make, but I remember thinking the same thing. If that goes in, they really got a chance here. Oh, Mm -hmm. so close. Very similar, I think, um, to the 2012 Thunder, who I was convinced would have won the title if Kevin Durant gets the call uh, Mm -hmm. at the end of game two. They're up 1 0 already. They're playing in Oklahoma City. 98-96, 98-96, 13 seconds left. LeBron loses track of KD. Durant goes baseline. He throws up a little fadeaway floater kind of thing. 
and it really just dinks off the rim, and LeBron, you know, gives him a little bit of a bump. He sort of reaches across KD as he's going baseline, and at least back then, I remember thinking, oh, that's definitely a foul on LeBron, you know? He was still a villain of the league. That's for sure a foul. They just robbed the Thunder. There's no way the Thunder are going to be able to recover from this. It would have been 2-0. They're going to home court. You know, the, the the Heat are coming off a very tough playoff road. They they win 4-1 against the Knicks. Then they have to play the Pacers. That's a 4-2 series, a close one. The famous Celtics series, 4-3. If OKC is up 2-0 with another, four, uh, another two games at home, you're looking good, but then I go back and I watch the game last night and I watch this thing, I'm like, this is not even close to a foul on LeBron James, and <laughs> Kevin Durant would no doubt go a lot stronger to the hole in 2018, 2019, you know, now that he's an older player. It's a little bit of a softy-wafty take um, <laughs> there at the end of game two because, you know, he's still in his first finals and he doesn't, he's not getting a call against LeBron James in the final 15 seconds of the game, so... It definitely felt like the Thunder could have won that title, but you watch it back now and you're like, oh, yeah, the Heat were just better, and there's no way that was a foul on LeBron. Mm -hmm. Technically a foul, I guess, but it's just one of those at the end of games. You're not calling that exactly. thing. Yeah. Lee, what do you got? Mm -hmm. Well, just something, uh, speaking of the last dance, I know it's kind of, I guess it gets talked about a lot. It is Jordan's Wizards tenure. People sort of make out as if Jordan was a, just a scrub then. And uh, that he was he was garbage, but he was still a decent player. I mean, he still put up decent numbers. Had a couple of or he had a one fifty point game anyway. Um, but people just like to sort of rag on that as if like ah oh, Jordan came back and he was just not even you know not even uh, a shadow of him former self. He played pretty well for a guy who was uh, what thirty eight when he came back. Um, you know, I mean, the Wizards obviously didn't go on and, and and make the playoffs, which was the only two times of his career he didn't make the playoffs. But his actual performance wasn't as bad as it's made out to be. Yeah, he just looked like a normal basketball player. That's the problem. <laughs> he didn't because right. the consistency wasn't there. Yeah, he would have a fifty-point explosion every once in a while, or thirty or forty. But then he would he would have what you never saw uh, with Jordan on the Bulls was like a two-point performance or a four-point performance. That was the uh, yeah the alarming that, part. That was in there. That, that wasn't him. Yeah, that was in the second the second season when he did ha actually yeah. have some uh, he did actually have some injuries. But true in the in the first season. Uh, oh no, sorry, that was uh, was that the first or second season? I can't remember actually now. But um, but you know, I mean, he, you know, he put up twenty three a game in that first season back. Like that's not bad for a, for a 30, 38 year old guy. I mean, how many guys would like to have those sort hey, of sounds numbers? Sounds like Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's putting up Demar Derozan prime numbers when he's thirty eight. So. Right. <laughs> I think Jordan gets into the Hall of Fame though. Still, I think he deserves. <laughs> I think there's a chance. Yeah. Um, I know you're a trivia man, uh, Skeets. You yep. dropped the Who Wants Some Trivia episodes here and you let us know last week that michael jordan had only two single scoring single digit scoring games when he was a member of the chicago bulls mm -hmm. see i was looking through that because i i'd seen a stat that lebron james surpassed him with consecutive double digit point totals right. in, in terms of games and michael only did it once i don't know where you got your stat from but michael only well, got said, single I said digits 10 point i said 10 points are under he had scored oh. 10 i believe and he scored eight <laughs> it's all in the details tassie it's all in the details 10 or less yeah yeah nice. yeah, yeah but then he did it i think what i said uh 18 times in his in his um couple of wizards years where he didn't hit you know didn't score over 10 which is mm -hmm. crazy crazy um my answer for this a uh, little different than you guys I think I've talked about this before. I convinced myself over time that Kobe's 81-point game versus the Raptors happened during the day. 
Like, I just <laughs> I convinced myself it was a day game. And I don't know how that started. I guess it's because it's the 6.30 tip on the West Coast. But that's nighttime when I'm watching the damn thing, uh, you know, in Toronto at the time at 9.30 at night, Eastern time. So I don't know why I did that. I think a part of it was because Kobe's 81 versus the Raps was the same day as the uh, the two championship games in the NFL. And so... And, you know, so, like, suddenly a guy scores 81, and, like, that's a bigger sports headline than even, you know, two of the biggest games of the NFL season. Uh, bigger than the Steelers beating the Broncos, if you can believe it. Um, so I think maybe I thought he was doing it at the same time those games were going on, because those would have been, I assume, you know, 1 and 4 p.m. starts. I don't know. I just uh, I just had convinced myself, and I almost still to this day am like, that happened during the day. Yeah. <laughs> that's, gig, it, that's weird. It's weird, because I've thought that as well. In the okay. Past. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It just, yeah. It's I, I, that's really very weird. weird that you bring that up because it's like it, it just feels like it was a day game, even though yeah. it absolutely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a. It feels to me like a twelve thirty uh, West Coast start, right? So like right, a three, right, three, like a day yeah. game, exactly. Like a yeah. three thirty start for me watching that. Yeah, like um, it's the Raptors in town. Just get this game over and done with, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the big NFL games on that. Yeah, day. yeah. It's really weird, but. Um, all right, well, here's a fun, uh, you know, because we're talking trivia so much. Steelers beat the Broncos. Who was the <laughs> NFC game? Does anyone remember? Uh, Cardinals Ooh. beat the Packers. No. Rams. No. Saints. It's another bird, though. Mm, two Eagles. Falcons. No, another so bird. Birds. Yeah, well, yeah. Seahawks. Seahawks. Beat Sean the, Alexander. Beat the hood, you know? Uh, Seahawks over 2006. The Giants. No. Steelers. Vikings. And, uh, Carolina Panthers. <laughs> oh! Uh, yeah, My yeah, second yeah. favorite, Steve Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, excellent. Hey, all pull-ups. Listening from Oxford, England, I've recently found Sweet Baby Ray's as my new favorite sauce. <laughs> yes. And hearing Skeets agree made me want to email in. <laughs> I got one for the classic Who Says No? Buddy healed for Al Horford, Kings Sixers, both on big, pretty bad contracts, but would swapping teams make them less bad? That's from Will F. Thanks for the email, Will. Will Farrell, big fan of the show. Love to hear it. No surprise he's writing in about Buddy the Elf. Kings say no, though. Buddy might be unhappy. He's younger, though. He's more in his prime. He's more on their timeline. He's a modern player, and I think he's a Vivek Ranadive favorite, if I'm not mistaken. He saw him as the next Steph Curry coming out uh, coming out of college, which is why the Kings were eventually able to acquire him from the Pelicans. I think that you know his extension hasn't even kicked in yet until next season, and he's going to last another year longer than Horford. But I think that Sacramento would prefer to take a chance on repairing that relationship, you know, Uh Obviously, Buddy is, seems to be a big part of their plan, and I actually do like the the matching of Al Horford and uh, Marvin Bagley. I think they would pair perfectly together. I think that's a great guy for Bagley to learn from, but I just don't see the Kings deciding that adding an older guy in Al Horford is the way that they really build for the future. I totally agree. Yeah, I think the Kings say no. They can't give up on Heald at this point. I know locker room trouble. I didn't like coming off the bench there for a while. And the money was looking bleak in Sacramento after all that money they spent on Trevor Reza and Dwayne Denman in the offseason. But they recovered pretty well, trading both those guys away for shorter-term deals. And so there's not a lot of money on the books after this year when Buddy's contract kicks in and he's the highest-paid player on the Sacramento Kings. 
it just doesn't make a lot of sense to bring in Al Horford, although he would be great for the locker room, I'm sure. Um, you know, we haven't seen good Al this season, and it doesn't just doesn't drive. It just doesn't mm. really make all the sense. If you guaranteed that they could sign Bogdan Bogdanovich if he traded Buddy Heald, maybe I'd think about it. Probably not. I wouldn't do it. Say no. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, they're just at the wrong time for Horford. I think if they were a little closer to where they expected to be right now, perhaps you consider a move like this, but you've got Harry Giles as well, as well as Mar- Marvin Bagley. I mean, they want those big guys, so it's great to have Al there for that, but I just don't think uh, Al's there. I, I actually, when I read this, I was like, um, yeah, Buddy Heald on the Celtics, Buddy Heald on the Celtics. No, oh, and then boy. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> oh, my God. That. I mean, I've been in quarantine too long. I forgot Al Horford was on the Sixers here, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had, to, I had to sort of redo my thought process there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Al, Al's a great player, but he needs to be on a team right now that is contending for a championship, which the Sixers think they are. The Sixers are in a spot where the Kings, you know, would like to be. They're, they're not ready yet for that yet, but they're hoping to be in that position in a couple of years' time. So, yeah, I mean, everyone loves Big Al. Great player. Hasn't had a, the best season, of course, but uh, I think he'd be the right player on the right team. It's just not the Kings right now. And Buddy, I mean, Buddy, he's having a very, well, was having a very good season. Um, and, you know, he can really turn himself. I think there's an all-star game in the in the distance for Buddy Hill, the way that he can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just got to make sure that he doesn't get himself too worked up about uh, getting in scraps with the, with the coaches and the front office there. Like, go out there and get those buckets because we know he can do it. That shot was looking pretty nice this season. You know, you not remembering that Horford is on the Sixers, that's a great idea for a podcast as we get closer to the return, hopefully, of basketball coming back. Like, a podcast that just reminds people what the hell was going on (laughs) in, uh, you know, (laughs) mid-March with the season and where we're at and maybe, like, who's injured or who's back and all that, like... That'd be good for me as well, because mm. I'm with you. There's a couple things that I've just completely forgotten about this <laughs> year. Um, so I think we should bank that one. We'll, we'll go through the go through the playoff teams at the very least and uh, give you a little refresher. That, that could be one for the future. All right, next one. What's up? No donkeys. What? <laughs> My wife and I just finished listening to Ethan Sherwood Strauss's amazing book, Victory Machine. While listening, we had a conversation about how crazy it is that as fans, we feel so comfortable criticizing every single aspect of a person's life because they might not be living up to the expectations that we have as complete strangers feel they should be portraying. In the end, it just kind of made the whole sports fandom thing seem very strange and almost uncomfortable. Has there ever been a time while covering the NBA that any of you have felt bad or queasy about how someone has been covered? whether that be a player, a coach, a front office person. Thanks for everything you've been doing over this last decade. Plus, my wife and I listen to every Beach Step and Pod together, and you have helped her become more of a fan. That's from Nathan and Naomi. Um, a good question. Tess, you ever felt bad, queasy about how someone was covered in this league? It, it is a good question. It definitely brought to mind Delonte West from earlier this season when he was spotted on the road being beaten, punched, and uh, had that um, a video of him talking to a police officer where he's handcuffed and, and the whole discussion about mental health in, in the NBA was sparked. And uh, really, I mean, uh, it was just tough to to watch Delonte West in that, in that scenario and, and how difficult it was, the way he was covered. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people who uh, were you know, throwing up the headline from the NBA to this and not really judging him as a, as a person. And that's often what happens with NBA players. They're not people, they're just objects. They're just money-making machines. And so um, that was a little tough uh, to, 
to to watch. But a lot of NBA players chiming in and trying to um, get him help from the MBPA that has been very vocal about mental health, as we've uh, discussed, including uh, a guy we just talked about making the Hall of Fame, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love. Uh, and I'm sure, I don't have any inside in- information on this, but I'm sure the NBA did um, you know, do what they could. Uh, I'm sure they reached out at the very least at that time earlier this year when that happened in uh, the, the D.C., Maryland area. So that, that's the one that, that was sparked by, uh, by me. Here's the thing. When you really start thinking about the whole sports fandom, it is strange. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, this is, of course, coming from someone that has done this for like 15 years, covering this whole sports fandom thing. Uh, and I catch myself at times, man. I'll be honest. Like, what? I don't know. What are we doing? And maybe that's with what's going on in today's world. It, it of course, is like, you know, we're having heated debates about getting rid of conferences and like <laughs> doing World Cup group stage and like, it's fun. I I think people are entertained uh, listening to us talk about it. But you do go. Well, what are we? What are we even talking about? Like, why do we? Why do you really care? Why do we care? Um, but this is sports, right? It's a it's a distraction for a lot of people, and it is fun. So I I don't know. I catch myself from time to time going, why 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 the hell do I care? Why do I even have an opinion on Demar Derozan's <laughs> Hall of Fame case? Well, well, this is what we do, and I I enjoy it, and I guess enough people enjoy it, and you guys do, of course, too. So that's where we're at. But uh, you can go down a weird, weird sort of little rabbit hole when you start really wrapping your head around what the hell we're just doing here. <laughs> and it can feel really inconsequential. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, you can, it's easy to go down the path of, well, this doesn't actually matter. This doesn't actually matter. Wait, the whole thing doesn't matter. Our whole yeah. jobs don't matter. Uh, but then, right. you, then you realize you're, that you're 100% right, Skeets. It is entertainment, and entertainment matters to people. Which I think was why it's funny that uh, that Tass brought up Dwight Howard because to me something that's always bugged me is um, criticizing the player who smiles too much. Like it's a problem that somebody would be happy doing something they love. You know, Magic Johnson has five titles and three MVPs. That's one of the smiliest guys in the league. <laughs> Steph Curry's a smiley guy out there on the court. LeBron was his best when he got back to smiling. The Heat struggled when he was an angry guy. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to play with joy. Yeah, can we blame that on Michael Jordan? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. But even he smiled more than I think people would give him credit for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just the narrative that we build up, for sure. And it's like, oh, you can't be having fun out there. This is war. You, you got to go win a championship and be an asshole to do it. And it's like, no, not really. Lady, you have a response to this? A great email from Nathan and Naomi? Yeah, just, just um, you know, I think sometimes we look at any celebrity or athlete who's in the spotlight and you just think, well, they're rich and famous, so they've got no problems in the world, but everyone has to deal with life away from the cameras. And, you know, whether that's kids or family or, or whatever it is, people have issues. And, and when you are an athlete and you're on the road and you're away from your family, it must make it very hard to deal with those same things that, you know, we, we take for granted for those of us who have kids at home and, you know, we are able to to be around our families a lot. So, um, you know, I think sometimes when you see a guy and he has a bad game and we just go, man, that guy sucked, you know, my fantasy team needed him to play well. You just don't know exactly why they had a bad game, whether it was just a bad game or they're, they're dealing with some issue that we'll never know about. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's yeah, sometimes you feel bad when you criticise a player for having a bad performance, um, but you really don't know exactly what they're going through at the time. And, um, you know, that's something that... It would be, I mean, it would be good to know more so then you can maybe put some context to it. But, of course, it's none of our business either at the same time. Yeah, so, um, yeah. you know, it, it's a fine line there. But we do demand and expect so much from our 
our, our players and our teams that when they don't perform, we tend to sort of turn on them as well quickly. You know, like people try to stay loyal and true to their team, but if they put in a bad performance or lose a playoff series, you know, people want guys traded and fired and moved on because they didn't satisfy us. But for all we know, they went out and played the best they could and it just didn't win. And that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. I'm just glad that we don't uh, dig too deep into uh, players' marital status and dating status and all that because that is a rabbit hole. Uh, My buddy Grish, your buddy Grish, everybody's buddy Grish was just uh, talking to us about somebody's dating status with somebody, and I didn't care. And he, you know, that, that, that whole sphere is get the heck out of my face but that that's something yeah, that but uh, it's all where do you draw the line well we have no problem talking about how skinny james harden is <laughs> you know it's like yeah i mean that affects we... his basketball performance that's i guess does it we will see don't you think james... <laughs> i guess we will, you will. don't I you know, think I james know. harden needs a butt to get people out of the way <laughs> to get to the rim <laughs> it's gonna be interesting and this cakes <laughs> next emailer here brings up this uh this thing that we're going to see down in Orlando, most likely. Hey, layuppers, if the NBA resumes without fans and no noise is pumped into the arena, do you think a team with a worse attendance would have an advantage? I checked the NBA's attendance report on ESPN, and out of the current playoff teams, the Nets have the worst attendance along with the Pacers and Pelicans. What other teams might have an advantage if games resume? Since teams will be together day and night, I think the Raptors would have an advantage due to chemistry. Let me know what you got. That's from Judd in Kenora, Ontario, Canada. Lee, can we get a homer, please? <laughs> a homer. They're not going to be together day and night. I mean, well, and, and it's a lock-in. Uh, yeah. Trey, what, what do you think here? Um, you touched on it yesterday, Tass. To me, the teams that are going to be able to pick up right where they left off, you would think, are the ones that aren't super concerned with having a system. So, obviously, that's the Rockets play an iso ball. You know, if Kyrie and KD were around for the Nets, that would be then. And a team that I can't believe I'm saying this that I think is going to be good coming back uh, when the season resumes, the Oklahoma City Thunder because they run a lot of ISO, they run a lot of pick and roll. You know Chris Paul is going to stay in shape during quarantine, and he's also going to be super clued in to the inner workings of the league and when things will actually be coming back, that surely he'll be able to ramp up his training to be ready to go as soon as it's ready to go. Um, so, yeah, I I've, would actually feel pretty confident about the Thunder performing well. Ooh, you got a little dark horse pick there in OKC. I like that. I like that. What about you, Lee? Well, I guess it's teams who have had injury concerns when the suspension happened, like Ben Simmons is a huge one there for the Sixers. He had a back problem that could have maybe knocked him out for the playoffs. Uh, But I think we heard a couple of weeks ago that he's probably going to be able to play if this goes ahead. So that could be great. The Sixers had a weird season because at times they looked great and other times they looked awful. But having this little break here might have at least given Brett Brown and the the coaching staff there a chance to try to figure some different things out to try to see if they can utilize the skills of Embiid and uh, and Horford and Simmons a little bit better so maybe they could come back and uh, and look pretty good if things work out if they don't work out then uh, it could be a completely different team we see in Philadelphia next season but uh, this has given them a chance at least to sort of go over what was not working for them during the season and really try to focus on what was because we know defensively they're fantastic. There's no no question about that. But offensively, they just looked a little congested at times. So maybe this has given them a chance to uh, try some new things or think of some new ideas that might open the floor up a little bit. 
Uh, I think the Sixers will suffer not having a home court advantage. Uh, to to sort of answer the the emailer's question, Judd uh, from Kenora, Ontario, Canada, asking whether or not teams that have quiet arenas will benefit from playing in a quiet arena. I don't think that's the case. I think every team will be good at playing basketball, but I think there are some guys that rely on the 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 crowd juice a little bit more. A few guys. I, I don't. I think it's just a handful of guys. And I think Joel Embiid is that kind of guy. I think Joel Embiid relies on that a little bit. And I think you see it in the Sixers' home court to road court discrepancy. They're so bad on the road uh, mm-hmm. for for a good team, and they're amazing at home. And so I wouldn't bet on the Sixers just because uh, there's something going on there. And uh, hey, maybe if they are together every moment of every day, Judd, maybe that will help them on the road. Maybe this scenario, <laughs> if it is different than a road scenario, a regular road scenario in the regular season where guys may or may not be hanging out, maybe this is forces to hang them out. I don't, I don't think it forces them to hang out whatsoever. You still got your own hotel room. You still got your own <laughs> PS4. I don't. I don't think it really matters. Uh, but on the court, I, I'm. I can't wait to see what James Harden does in, in a scenario where they don't rely on on team ball and play iso ball like like Trey was mentioning about OKC. If this can slip in uh, a chance for the Rockets of the championship, but uh, I think I think the six. I'm worried about the Sixers a bit, uh, as everybody sort of was going into the, right. the hiatus. Yeah, it, it's like really impossible to answer this because we don't know. We just have no idea what these guys, uh, both physically and mentally, are gonna be uh, like when they return. I mean, that that's it's just such a wild card. I, I have no clue. I know hopefully they're gonna get practices and getting together with their teams and start training camp basically up again. I get all that, um, and that's gonna be needed because this it's it's obviously unprecedented and it's gonna be weird and i think the basketball is gonna be quite frankly garbage um it's not gonna be pretty (laughs) so which is a whole other reason that maybe some of these ideas these group stages and these play in tournament ideas i almost can look at it as a smart distraction um for you know fan interest because i don't think the basketball itself is gonna be all that uh all that well played and rightfully so i'm not i'm not, not judging these guys it's like wow holy crap you've just taken like we just got we just proved that lee can't even remember who al horford plays for i mean like <laughs> this is all we're asked to do and we can't even keep it track so we're asking these guys to come back and like you know ball out just like that i don't think it's going to happen so maybe these uh crazy ideas these distractions whatever maybe they, maybe they are good uh i wonder we're more if that's happened that. for any players right like maybe the hawks showed up and they're starting to do some uh some some training on Memorial Day. I know they had like 10 players show up or something like that. Like, did Clint Capella walk in and everybody's like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah man. <laughs> You're on our team. <laughs> cool. Sweet. What's up, dude? <laughs> Probably. Right? Honestly, I think so. Because, like, how long have we, what, March 11th, how long ago now? Maybe like 10 weeks? Something, mm-hmm. something like that? I mean, I can't remember. So I'm sure they're just like us. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that guy's on our team or that guy Sweet. isn't on our team. Cool. That's cool. All right, we got a lot more questions still to answer here, but before we do, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, we did it, guys. We're halfway through beach stepping, which means we're at the exact halfway point of the week. We're halfway home, baby. Woo! Here's the thing, though. I'm already thinking about tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, we see the return of Say What. It's a very stressful show for me. I have to act. I have to read. Not my strong suits, but you know what? I'm going to take my Sunday scaries today. That's right. I got them right here. Here oh. we go. Here we go. 
Let's fish one out here. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Ooh, orange. All right. Mmm. Oh, yeah. Sunday scaries. They're specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable, as you can hear. Mmm. Mmm. And easy to take on the go. They can help in all sorts of ways, but right now, I just want to quiet my mind, chill out, and head in tomorrow's Say What, composed and relaxed. Get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what products might be best for you, so go to sundayscaries.com and use code NODUNKS. It's going to be the best say what ever. How you feeling, JD? You feeling good? Are you feeling chill? I feel relaxed. I'm chilled out, man. It's going to be great. Can't wait. As you guys know, I recently bought a new house, which means I've been moving ever so slowly from my apartment to my new house. And that's been great, except for the actual moving part. Um, I lived on a third story walk up. So there's been a lot of up and downs, a lot of stairs, a lot of sweat, a lot of stank. And it's gotten bad, especially when you consider this weird, gnarly quarantine beard I've got going. I've just smelt gross. And my wife has noticed those car rides from the apartment to the house. They haven't been great. You know, windows down, sure. Even though it's blazing hot here in Georgia. Should have the air conditioning on, but I stink. Or I did. Till I got my Hawthorne goods. Guys, this stuff's amazing. You take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the type of products you need. The deodorant, the shampoo, the body wash, the cologne. It's personalized to make you smell good. And this stuff works. My wife is loving it. I smell like a peppermint stick. It's a beautiful smell. I'm a big fan of this. So go to Hawthorne at hawthorne.co that's hawthorne with an e at the end and .co not .com hawthorne.co and use the promo code NODUNKS to get 10% off your first purchase that's hawthorne.co and use the promo code NODUNKS to get 10% off your first purchase hawthorne.co so you can smell like a peppermint stick and you can go up and down the stairs and not be all gross. Heck, you wear this stuff, you'll probably buy a house like me. All right, our next email. Hey, no dunks. I was listening to last week's Beach Steppin' podcast and went from a massive high to a crazy low in seconds. I'm half Portuguese and half Swiss. When Skeets mentioned Superbach beer, I felt really <laughs> proud for no real reason. But right after that, Tass said Spain is the better Portugal, and I got really upset. <laughs> was there a time where you went from a massive high to a massive low, or maybe the other way around? That's from Luis Martins. Uh, I'll go first here. It was about two years ago, I guess, I was leaving for the NBA Finals, um, and on that same day in the Turner Studios, they were shooting a feature on the 1988 uh, NBA Finals, uh, and I didn't realize... I knew Isaiah Thomas was involved, but I didn't realize John Sally was also going to be a part of it, and so was James Worthy. Mm. Now, I have two. We had two James Worthy posters on the starter's uh, office there, and I was like, awesome, James Worthy. I'll get a photo. I'll get a great gram out of it. I'll get an autograph. This will be great. But 
my flight left at like oh my my pickup for the ta- for the airport was like twelve o'clock and they started filming at like eleven thirty and it was a Tuesday and we were doing our like Twitter show thing, mm-hmm. and so by the time that finished, they had already started shooting and they weren't going to be out for like a couple of hours and I had to go to the airport and I missed out. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get James Worthy here. And then when I came out, I was like, it was too late. I missed him. I never saw him. I never saw him again. So I had two unsigned <laughs> posters of James Worthy. I couldn't believe it. I was on that, on that flight all the way over. I was like, how can I, how did this happen, man? How did this happen? I got to, oh man, I'm still upset about that now, actually, just thinking about it. Did you say you were flying to San Francisco? Yeah. That's a long flight to be stewing oh, over. I know, I know. Luckily, Mrs. Doubtfire kept me in good spirits. But I was just so excited to know James Worthy was there and then just like bummed that I couldn't get him to sign my posters. I hope you get roasted on Twitter for this. You're complaining about having to fly to the NBA Finals. <laughs> Feel sorry for me, JD. Please, yeah. I've had those posters in my possession for like 30 years. So, you know, I mean... What, thinking you were always going to get them signed by James some Worthy point, At some point, oh, I was like, okay. oh, I'm going to get James Worthy to sign this, you know? That's, that's, that's likely to happen. And I just, oh, my God. Could not believe it. Devastating. <laughs> Devastating. I'm not sure I'll be able to recover from this one. Yeah, yeah you did a good job of getting your uh, memorabilia autographed by the greats. Yeah. Isaiah, Kevin McHale, Brian Shaw. <laughs> Be Shaw. Bit of a drop off there. Yeah. Well, hey, you know. Hey, hey, hey. Well, what? You're gonna tell me he's a Hall of Famer now too? <laughs> How many championships did Brian Shaw end up with? He got a couple, I think. He in definitely LA. got a couple. Got with yeah. the Lakers at the end. Yeah. There? Yeah. yeah. He missed yeah, the yeah. Celtics run. Yeah. 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 Um, anyone else have an answer where they went from a massive high to a massive lower the other way around? Well, let me jump in with uh, the emailer claiming that I said Spain is the better Portugal. You know, I'm okay with my decision in saying that. I'm totally okay with it. I pissed off a couple of my Portuguese friends, my buddy Dave, another Dave, oh, wow. uh, and my buddy Desio. But um, I also, on the other side, got a great suggestion for a beer because I have had a nice Estrella beer and an emailer by the name of Carlos emailed in and he said, have you tried the Australia Halika or Gallica, whatever it's called. I haven't had it yet. I haven't had that type quite yet. So I'm really pumped about that. Pissed off some. Pissed off some. Can't go to Portugal, but really pleased some others. So you know, you know, I'm playing. I'm playing the the the, the my cards right. I think um, I've been to Spain. Loved it. Wow, this and, guy's uh, doubling I'll, down I'll, on his hate for wow. Portugal. No, I never said that. I never oh, said that. I, I want to see. I really want to see the Ronaldo bust in person. <laughs> Then I'm going to leave. No, <laughs> I love it. You got you to take a stance. You got to take a stance. I love it. Trey? Um, my biggest swing from high to low was doing sea balls off the high dive a couple of years ago. I went up there. I was like, all right, Laura, get the camera out. Put it on slow-mo. Let's see how this first one goes. And I crushed it. Just perfect form, the perfect landing. I was like, all right, let's get crazy. We're going to really turn it out here. Laura, get the camera. Put it on slow-mo. Went back up landed flat on my balls the second time oh my goodness 15 feet up just a flat landing i was like well i guess i'm done on the high dive for today at least we got that one in the can oh my goodness just a nice little right on the boys i think you manscaped too well that's right that was the lawnmower 1.0 i think they called it back then 
Uh, JD, have you ever had a Tony on Survivor 40 moment where you went from a massive high to a massive low? Remember where he thought he was getting the, uh, uh, the yeah. advantage and oh, he was, was... going to be able to do some damage and then he finds out, nope, this is being played on you, this uh, extortion disadvantage. Classic, classic yeah. moment. No, I always go into everything with very low expectations. I'm a, generally a curmudgeon, so uh, I go from low to high a lot. That happens a lot. I'm always pleasantly surprised. Every time I leave the house, I'm pleasantly surprised that I didn't you know, get killed or didn't have a confrontation with one of my neighbors. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm the, yeah, it's, it, that rarely happens. That's uh, nice. I guess life advice there. <laughs> when you leave the house, have super low expectations. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. Hey, no Dunkarinos. Last year during the Raptors playoff run, I was heading to a bar to meet a couple of friends to watch the game when my buddy Nino texted the group chat. Hey, is it cool if I bring Vernon, this guy I met on a work trip? We've been talking hoops and he asked to tag along. I said, sure, the more the merrier. Not really thinking much of it. Cut to a half an hour later and Vernon walks through the door. Immediately, I recognized him as the infamous Mo Verney. Whoa! <laughs> Thanks to my years of listening to the podcast. I thought it might be weird if I revealed to him about how much I already knew about him, so I kept <laughs> quiet about it. My question is, has there ever been a time you've met somebody for the first time and have been forced to play it really cool or pretend you know less about them than maybe you do. Maybe it's a minor internet celebrity, or maybe it's just a friend of a friend who you're a little embarrassed to have learned a lot through, a lot about through osmosis on social media. Thanks for all the hours of quarantine entertainment. That's from Young. Yeah, any celebrity that I meet, I I always want to play down. Like, uh, right. no matter what. Uh, did I ever tell you about the time I met Sting? Has I I told that story? I don't think so. I mean, obviously not a minor celebrity, but I did try to play it cool. And I met him for 58 seconds one time. (laughs) And I know this because I was uh, I worked at the CN Tower when I was in high school and I was operating one of the elevators. And I was at the uh, the outdoor observation deck. And that's where you pick people up to go down. And there was Sting, and uh, his he had his son with him, I think, and uh, his publicist and a couple of other people. And they just came on, and it was a VIP, nobody else was getting on this elevator. So I was just like, holy s***, that's Sting. <laughs> but I played it cool, and uh, I, I trotted out my, my A material for the ride down, because nice. you're, you're supposed to have a speech when you go up and you go down. Oh, right. And this is what it was. Well, I hope you enjoyed the view from the world's tallest freestanding structure. We are currently traveling back t- back down to the ground at the same speed you went up at, 20 feet or 6 meters per second. That's about the same speed as a parachute falling. So when we reach the ground, kindly bend your knees, tuck, and roll. <laughs> Stunned silence, like, just <laughs> staring at me. Usually a killed. I mean, uh... I think they thought I was serious. Yeah. Um, like, we're going to lose Sting here? Yeah. So, and usually what, that would, the laughter would last about, you know, five to 10 seconds out of the 58 seconds. But I had nothing else to, nothing. <laughs> so we just got to the bottom and the doors opened and they walked out. And that was. <laughs> That was my sting. And, you, and while he was walking off in the distance, you're like, Shaggy would have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, if oh, only. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The time you met Sting in the CN Tower elevator. That's a, how have we never heard that story? 
No wonder you have such low expectations now every time you leave your house. <laughs> Once you meet Sting in an elevator, you're never going to do better than that. I was actually very annoyed when I when they came on. There was, like I said, maybe six people max. And the the lineup to go down was insane. Like the wait to to go down was uh, at least a half hour. Oh, you were judging Sting right away. Yeah, I was just like, who's this guy? He, he definitely didn't pay to get up. He's a mm. millionaire many times over. He didn't pay to go up. He didn't have to stand in line and he didn't have to stand in line to go down. At least we could have put everybody else in the, like the, it holds 20 people. So, you know, I just was like, this is, this is bullshit, man. Why are you <laughs> getting mean, come, on, come on, come on, JD. Sting is on record saying he hates when people stand close to him. It shouldn't come as a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Oh, man. All right. Can anyone do better than that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, not really. But actually, um, at that same finals I was answering in the last question, uh, I was standing. It was media day there. And uh, Doris Burke came walking out. And we made eye contact. And she sort of mouthed hello. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Oh my God, did Doris Burke just say hello? I'm looking around like, who's she talking to? But it was me. There was no one behind me. So I had to like quickly try to save with a, oh, hey, Doris, like that. Well, inside, I was just like nervous as anything. I was like, oh my God, that's Doris Burke. It was incredible. And I'm not sure if she just thinks I ignored her or not, you know, because it was a, there was a second or two there in between uh, my response. So, uh, but fortunately it was okay. We did see each other later on and we, and we talked a little bit. But in that one time, I was just like, Oh man, did I just sort of snub Doris Burke? That's like the worst thing I could possibly do. <laughs> but we're cool. We're cool now. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, I'll throw one in here of the uh, the weird story department. I saw uh, Rachel McAdams, the great Rachel McAdams, at a bar in Toronto, <laughs> and uh, I had just been tweeting at her. No joke, but not as my. We were tweeting about enjoying peanut butter on toast. No joke. Okay. We we sh- we share that bond, but I wasn't tweeting as myself. I was tweeting as a young boy, oh, yeah. a young boy. I was I was working for. I was I was upping the social media profile of a young boy who was doing philanthropic work in Africa. This isn't right. a joke. No, uh, he he's trying to get footwear on kids in Africa. This this kid had had done more in his life than I ever have or ever will. He was eight or nine. I forget his name. I'm going through emails here trying to figure, I'm trying to find this, this the name of this kid. Um, but I, I saw Rachel from afar and I didn't meet her. So the, I'm not really answering the question. I didn't go up to her, but it was really weird. I had just been tweeting at her from a, an account whose profile is the face of a young lad, a young <laughs> Canadian lad uh, who's a great kid. And uh, it didn't it didn't last my my relationship both with Rachel McAdams and with this kid. It was just a, it was a quick short run as he was trying to up his profile on social media. And hopefully he uh, he did lots for those kids in Africa. But strange stuff, strange <laughs> stuff in my twenties. Just taking jobs here, taking jobs there, and that's uh, uh, looking through my emails though. I'm uh, trying to find the name of this kid. It was it was the two thousands here, early whatever it was. 0506 somewhere in that realm I got an email from my buddy Grish who says our test can easily score 20 a game in Toronto and he's got the D we need against good perimeter players back when we all emailed each other about basketball was uh was the Rachel McAdams sighting at the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto 
Pass? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Because uh, I only remember that because <laughs> I didn't see her. And everyone else did see her. And I was really upset that I somehow, you know, I'd either gone to the washroom or I was at the bar or something. I was like, oh, wow, can you believe that was Rachel McAdams right there, right beside us? I was like, what are you talking about? I missed her? It was like a, it was like a pokeroo type of moment. Um, so She was there to see Black Joe Lewis yeah. along with the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was a great show. It was one of the best shows. I, uh, by the way, I just texted Matty O to see if he remembered yes, the name of the young kid that you uh, ran the Twitter account for. He's just responded with a hmm. So he's oh, thinking. He's, got it. he's thinking the three dots are, are uh, blinking at me right now. Oh, that's good. Will uh, he I'll, come I'll help stall for time a little bit here. Okay. Uh, Tass, did you are you bringing your own preferences to this social media manager job or was it told to you this kid loves peanut butter on toast? Make sure you work <laughs> it in there if you can. Oh, total bullshit on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just playing the celebrity game. Oh, you like peanut butter on toast? Me too. She okay. Responded. Yeah. I've, I've got a response from Matt. He's got it. This feels right to me in reading it, but Tess, maybe you'll, you'll know for sure. The name Bilal is That's in right. my head. That's yes! Right. yes, yes. <laughs> yes, and then Matt wrote, a kid who raised money by walking barefoot. Exactly right. memory. <laughs> and he says, and then he, then he laughed. And he go, and then Matt just wrote, "Good for me if I just made that up." No, no, no. <laughs> no, we, we think that's right. Yeah. No, one hundred percent sure. I, I was, I was. He, he definitely knows. He, he has remembered this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible memory. Incredible memory. All right. Oh boy. Let's let's keep rolling here. We got a couple more. Danny Green is one of my favorite players to watch. I think it's cool that he has won a championship with two different teams, and now he has a realistic chance of winning another title with the Lakers. Who are some of your favorite role players who are able to win a championship with multiple teams? That's from Darnell Giebman, an Orlando Magic fan in Helena, Montana. Mm, this is uh, the one person out there that does want a Bucks Magic first round series <laughs> in the playoffs. Thank you very much. Um, this, is a, this is a good question. I'm going to go with Sam Cassell for my answer. Um, he won three titles. I had forgotten about the last one. I forgot he got one there with the Celtics. But he won two championships with the Rockets in his first two seasons in the league. You know, Sam I Am doing the big balls dance. Um, and he was good. He, like, averaged 10-4 and four in about 21 minutes per game over those two, you know, playoff runs for the Rockets. He, was, he, he played a part. And then again, he bookended his career by winning a third ring with the Celtics. He signed with them in March after being waived by the Clips. And he played for them. He wasn't as instrumental as those uh, Houston Rockets championships, but he played in 21 playoff games for them that year. So three titles for uh, for Sam Cassell, one of my favorites. Just mm. a, a, a unique look to that man, obviously a unique personality. And the guy was not afraid of the big moments. Um, so I'll go with him. Yeah, he, he was good for them coming off the bench. Uh, ironically, yep. my answer is a teammate of Sam Cassell's in Houston, Mario Eli. Uh, he picked up three as well. He picked up two there with the Rockets and then got one with the Spurs in 99 coming off the bench. Uh, right. Classic role player, you know, guy who could come out, didn't play all that many minutes, didn't score a lot, but would always hit big shots and uh, and play in big moments. So uh, I, I like Murray. It, it's funny. He's got a funny career, Murray Early. You think of him on the Warriors, the Rockets, the Spurs. I think he played... Uh, Blazers or somewhere else as well. He seemed to bounce around a bit, but uh, often made a contribution wherever he was. Well, that's pretty funny that you bring it up because my answer is a teammate of both Mario, Ellie, and Sam Cassell, Robert Ori, who won seven titles. Uh, 
you know, just by always hitting clutch shots. And I think you kind of forget uh, Robert Ory on the Rockets, how he was young and athletic and, you know, had the Sam Cassell big balls to take big shots, even though he was a young guy in the league. But it's kind of funny when you look at all of the guys who have won multiple championships, it feels like they all played on the same team at some point. It's like, do you want to take John Sally? He was part of the Lakers and the Pistons and the Bulls. Do you want to take Robert Parrish? He was on the Bulls at one point and also the Celtics. You know, all of these guys who have multiple titles, it's like a dynastic team sees them and says, you've done it before, you can help us out. And that's why they become... More than glue guys, they're like gorilla glue guys, you know, just even stronger, an even stronger bond they bring. That stuff works, by the way. I broke, uh, in moving, I broke a wooden, uh, like, wine rack. It, like, smashed, fell out of the car. And uh, I was like, I'm going to try and put this back together with that gorilla glue. I hadn't really never used it. It's incredible. Incredible bond. (laughs) You're not kidding. You're not kidding. What an adhesive. I can't believe it. I feel very confident putting full wine bottles back on this thing because I think uh, the integrity of it is there. So, okay, that was a weird ad for Gorilla Glue, but uh, uh, to ask you an answer. Well, my answer is Flex Seal. I love me a good Flex Seal. Slap it on. I don't like, uh, you know, don't like trying TV products, but actually I have tried Flex Seal. That stuff is good. Does it work? Yeah. I'm trying to think what I've done with it. Uh, well, I'm sure you built a boat out of it, just like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Slapped it on you, right. Um, well, my the uh, the base of my basketball net uh, has a leak in it, so I've tried to flex seal that, but that hasn't worked so well. Mm. Um, but I have uh, have used it before, and it does work. That was a bad endorsement of flex seal. <laughs> anyway, um, what about Ray Allen? Mm. Yeah. Ooh, kind of. Yeah, this is a cheat. This yeah. is a cheat. Yeah. yeah. 08 with the Celtics, not a role player. That's year 12. But it is crazy to think that he was a role player while hitting that shot for the Miami Heat in 2013 yeah. in Game 6. Um, that's that's a year 17 of his career. He's an old man by then uh, in terms of basketball years. And uh, he adapted so, so well. Not a lot of you know, all-star players can do that. But 10-time all-star uh, swung into that role no problem at uh, – you know, it's 36, 37 season there. So He's Walter Ray time Allen. all-star, eh? Wow. Yeah. I don't it think I would have had him that high. <laughs> but, uh, wow, that's incredible. All right, next one. Gentlemen, firstly, congratulations on your Webby. The people have spoken, which kind of leads to my question. Is there some legal or logistical reason you haven't jumped on the merchandising bandwagon? Hoping to see more No Dunks merch soon. That's uh, from Roberta from Pakistan no from Elizabeth that's what Elizabeth was. Um, P.S. if you go with the underwear thing as part of the merchandise please make it available for men and women yeah we talked about doing uh, yeah wedgie underwear uh, so we'll have to make it available for men and women that's what Elizabeth says there's nothing women would love more than uh, underwear designed for women by five dudes. <laughs> right. Well, Elizabeth says that's exactly what she wants. Uh, yeah, why Why no? Uh, I mean, we do have some. You can go to nodunks.com. You can get your T-shirts right now. Um, but, uh, Trey, why don't you answer this? You sort of lead up our merchandising department. Yeah, that's why. That's the logistical reason, because it's us that are doing it. You know, we got busy lives. Uh, I've kind of been operating on a one shirt per season uh, timeline here. You know, we had our fall shirt, the first one. We had our 
our winter shirt was our all-star shirt and we will have another one coming out in not too long congratulations on our webby congratulations on our webby shirt this one's a banger people will like it um but i don't know i think this is actually a question for the fans what other stuff do you want does uh, Elizabeth really want some no dunks wedgie underwear? We could make it. Does anybody want a beret? We could figure out a way to do it. I do think we should do basketball shorts somehow, but okay. I don't know. I mean, um, I also, you know, I don't like just constantly taking money from everybody who's listening to our show. Uh, you know, I don't want to just be like, hey, here's another shirt, buy it. Here's another shirt, buy yeah. it. Here's another shirt, buy it. I want you to want it. Call me cheap trick. I want you to want me shirts. Uh, but there's got to be other stuff out there that people would like. Our printers have showed us like a mini basketball rim that's pretty cool that we could do. But yep. it's just a matter of what people actually want. So honestly, let us know. Yeah, it's a good, uh, good, good ask there from the people out there. Email us no dunks at theathletic.com or tweet at us oh no dunks. I can't even talk anymore. Right? Let's get to this final question. <laughs> My mouth is so damn dry. What do you think about underwear, though? <laughs> well, I actually have a lot of thoughts about it, but I can't talk right now anymore. I've gone too long here. <laughs> All right, let's close her up. Um, now that Game of Zones is done forever, what fandom do you want to see an NBA Universe mashup with? That's from Adam R. Boyd on Twitter. So, yeah, Game of Zones was fantastic. I guess it's come to an end. I didn't realize yeah, it's come it to an done. end. it is done. It is done. Okay. And, and like, I don't really have an answer to the question, but I did want to address Game of Zones because in that series finale, uh, in the final episode ever, uh, we all got a little excited because we thought for a second that we were, uh, you know, we were in it. We were, we were a cartoon version within the Game of Zones. There was a scene where there was, like, these two little farmers out in the field talking to LeBron James, King James, and... I don't know about you guys, but I was convinced I was one of the characters. It looked identical to me. And then it was like, maybe that other guy is Tass? But it didn't really look like Tass all that much. And then people were like, oh, maybe it's Trey, the guy that also has a beard. But it was like a little confusing. But I was like, well, that's got to be me. <laughs> that guy. Turned out it wasn't. Um, in the end, it was the creators of Game of Zones put themselves in their own damn show. That makes a lot more sense than uh, it just being me and maybe Tass out there in the field. Uh, I so thought I was, it was you and then an amalgamation of the rest of us. They're like, this could be any of the other guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, so I was, uh, I guess that's my answer for, uh, went from a massive high to a massive low very quickly. <laughs> really all I learned was I looked a lot like one of the co-creators of Game of Zones. Um, because, again, you see this thing and tell me it's not me. It's pretty wild. So, yeah. But I don't have an answer. Maybe, JD, is there another fandom you want to see sort of a mashup of? Uh, you know, I mean, the obvious would be uh, the Marvel Universe just because there's so many characters and uh, so much you can do with it. But I think that mm -hmm. there have been uh, comic slash NBA stuff before. No. Yeah. What about the Sopranos? That was Whoa. on my list for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not very timely, but um, but it's just it's just great. And 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 as the as it whittles down to the to the finals, there's there's just guys getting hit left and right. Getting whacked. In, uh, yeah, getting whacked on the on the Sopranos. So that could be pretty cool. Mm. Who's Tony Soprano then? Ooh. Uh, probably LeBron, LeBron. I would say. Yeah. Probably. 
Yeah, maybe it's not timely, but I also feel like it has certainly stood the test of time. It feels like so many people are re-watching The Sopranos right now, mm-hmm. whereas Game of Thrones ended one year ago and everybody's basically happy to be done with it, you know? So yeah. uh, I also think that like um, the therapy scenes would be great scenes for... <laughs> an NBA mashup, right? Like, I don't know if it ends up being LeBron is Tony Soprano. He's talking to Michael Jordan, giving him advice or something like that. There could be something funny yeah, there. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. something there. Yeah, from that era and talking about LeBron, I could see a wire mashup. You know, yeah. the king, stay the king. Yep. Come out the king, best not miss. There's got to be a, a kid season in there, a young team in the NBA. Maybe the Grizzlies can be the the, the kid season. Uh, there's a mashup there. A lot, of, a lot of killing, though. A lot of murders. Maybe yeah. Wow. Stay away from that. Well, Game of Zones yeah, or Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Had a lot. They did, yeah, they did. They depict a lot of that stuff. I don't know. I was a weird Game of Zones watcher. Like, I would watch, like, the odd episode here and there. But I never was like, oh, new one is out. Let's pick it up, right, from last mm-hmm. week. I just dev- I never consumed the show. There obviously were thousands of people that did that. And really loved it. And every time I watched it, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, they did such a great job. Um, there's so many little funny, like, Easter eggs in it. And, and of course, like, little throwaway jokes and stuff like that. It's well-written, well-produced. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there was a ton of, like, yeah, killing. I, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, good so. question. I watched every episode, but it was doing high-speed scrubbing to see if we showed up in the background of anything. So, no idea what actually happened yeah. in the plot, but I know we weren't in there. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe I got killed in episode one. <laughs> Just missed it. We went too fast. Uh, Lee, anything you want to see mashed up or, or Tess or anybody else? Uh, this is not my uh, strength of spot, so no, not really. <laughs> no. I don't know. What, what no. do you mean? Because you just don't know shows? I mean, I don't really watch any shows that I want to sort of, you know, see intertwine with the NBA. Oh. You know? <laughs> what about like uh, American Idol or something? Yeah, The Voice. The Voice. Uh, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Victor Oladipo would probably win that and Lillard would come second. Maybe that would be a different sort of final. Yeah, seeing those two battle. <laughs> Completely two different uh, music genres. What about uh, like uh, what about all your cricket cricket world with the NBA? It doesn't need to be a show. Um... Uh, yeah. Okay, maybe not. Never nah, mind. Okay. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Let's just call it there. All right. Fair enough. Hey, you didn't have an answer. Oh, neither did no, I. No, no. I just got upset I wasn't in Game of Zones. <laughs> I, I made that clear. Um, oh, all right. right. What about this then? Shark Tank. What about that? NBA okay. players have to pitch ideas and, uh, and, and who can become the best businessman. There you go. See, that's not bad. Now yeah. you've got you got Adam Silver as one of the guys, one of as the, sharks. the sharks. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Roberts, maybe. Mark um, Cuban as a natural, of course. <laughs> right. Rising his role, certainly. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, um, there's been. Um, I mean, Alex Rodriguez has been a shark in the past. Maria Sharapova has been a shark. So you how know, about it's... Fergie? I feel like he, she would be great as a as a, as a know, shark. A little... Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I think there's something there. Now I'm onto something. I'm going to think about it. Flush it out a little bit more. You got your second book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Keep your emails coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet at us at no dunks, Inc. Hashtag no dunks. Coming up for the rest of the week. A very chill rest of the week because of JD. Uh, I'm popping those Sunday scaries. <laughs> On Thursday. Oh, I can't believe it. Say what? Say what? Back in our lives, Tass? Is it true? Well, J.D. just said it, so it must be true. <laughs> I got no choice now, J.D. Here we go. And Friday's film session, we're watching and reviewing Space Jam. 
Zach Harper from The Athletic is going to be uh, one of our guests on that podcast. Yep, the people have spoken. They want Space Jam, despite a lot of us not caring for that movie all that much. So... <laughs> 15 yeah. years of people asking us to watch Space Jam and it all culminates Friday, man. Exciting. I can't believe it. I can't it won't believe be the worst it. movie that we've watched though for this, so that's okay with me. I, I, why do you say that? Airbud. No. Airbud. Air wow, you're better. saying Airbud is better than Space Jam. No, I'm saying I'm saying Space Jam won't be the worst movie. The worst movie yeah, has no, been. No, I'm saying no, that, yeah, Airbud no, is I'm better than Space speeds, Jam. Yeah. 100%. Nah, come on. Yes. Yes. No way. Dog was talented. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, so that's Friday's film session. Everybody's got to watch Space Jam. And uh, again, we'll have Zach Harper on to talk about that movie. Tomorrow, say what? Should be fun. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's no longboard emoji. It's <laughs> weird. Embrace the day, people. You could stay. So